Today on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time and Don't Steal Anything, we're going to talk to somebody named Samantha. And Samantha's got what I consider such a typical but fascinating story that you may be able to relate to about drinking. Now, one of the things that I love about Samantha's story is not only has she been challenged with drinking uh, issues herself, but she comes from a family of alcoholics, including a mother, and she loves her mother, but her mother has been uh, uh, drinking for a very long time, about 30 years, so nearly all of Samantha's life. So today, we're going to hear the story about Samantha's mother and family and a little bit of history there, and then how it's affected her as a child and as she got older and some of the drama that caused, but also uh, her own struggles with drinking. And it's so, I don't want to say typical because that diminishes it. It's not typical in that, ah, it's another story about somebody who drinks too much. It is typical in that she's like so many people who listen to the podcast and they just drink and they don't need a trigger and it is a habit and it's hard and it affects their life and their health and they don't like it. So without me rambling on any longer, let's get right to Samantha this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time and Don't Steal Anything. Samantha, welcome to the podcast and thank you for being on. Sure, no problem. Um, so let's back up. Let's start with when, let's start at the very beginning. When you were a kid, everything's, you know, semi-normal. I don't think any family can say we're perfectly normal, um, but, you know, things are as normal as you expect them to be growing up. When did you first realize that your mom had a, a, some sort of a drinking problem? Well, I didn't notice any alcohol when my parents were married. So when they got divorced, I was probably around 12 years old. And that's when she started drinking, um, and she was she drank Miller Lite daily, um, and so that's when I noticed it. And then when I got a little bit older, like around fourteen, fifteen, she would even let me drink with her once in a while. Um, so yeah, that's kind of when it all started. So when did you notice it's like, hey, this is kind of a problem? Because you know, I think that you know, when I was a kid, I had some best friend, a best friend. His mom and dad, they were probably functional alcoholics. They had booze all over the house. They were big party people, but we never really saw it as a problem. I didn't deal with them day to day. What did you notice about it first at that young age of 12, you know, 14? You kind of accept everything, but you also were starting to grow into a, a period where you recognize like, wow, this is not good. This is not okay. I guess um, it was when I was already out of the house, probably around 1920, that she would let us come over and party at her house. And I noticed that she would go to bed at like eight, nine o'clock. We would all still be up partying. And then she would sleep for a couple hours and then get up again and uh, start drinking with us again, like around midnight or so. So that's when I kind of noticed that it was becoming an issue for her. Unusual that, you know, the, the, I mean, we'll give Carson a beer and Carson has been, you know, having a beer or two, but you know, even when he was underage, I'll be honest with you, but here at home, um, and it's not uncommon. You know, I like to tell the story. My mom used to give me a sip of beer or like a half a can of beer when I was five years old and that's messed up. But Looking back at it, it was kind of harmless. You know, my mom and dad never had a drinking problem. They just kind of thought it was funny. And, of course, it was from another era, too. So did you ever think, like, wow, my mom is super cool for letting me and my friends party with her and giving us alcohol at 19 years old? Or did you think, Ugh, what did you think about that? 
No, I thought it was totally cool. Go out, party, you know, always had a place to crash. I don't know. I just thought it was normal. Was dad in the picture at that time? That was after the divorce, right? After the divorce, yes, but she did get remarried, and he was also a recovering addict. Um, He was about five years sober when they got together, and then he did start drinking again um, while they were together, but he has since quit again, I think, for about 10 years. He's been sober. Okay, and we'll kind of continue with mom's journey here in a minute and find out where she's gone. So as you were like 19 and mom would drink and go to sleep and then get up and then party with you guys, when th- did it ever cause problems? Did it ever like, you know, like mom got drunk and, you know, fell down the stairs in front of your friends? Or do you remember anything that made you go, yikes? No, that didn't really happen until later when she got super bad and I found out she was drinking lots of vodka daily um, and she fell and broke her nose getting out of the tub and things like that. So it wasn't until probably I was more around 27 that it got really bad. And that time you, I'm going to guess you were probably out of the house at 27 years old. So how did you find out about mom falling and breaking her nose? So I was always the one she called. So if it was like afternoonish and I got a call from my mom, I knew she was wasted and she's a crier. So she was crying and feeling bad about life. And I'd always have to go over there and try to put her to bed and try to talk to her and I was kind of the person that went and handled her when she was like that. Where, why, I'm firing the questions. These are like rapid fire questions, but I'm so curious. <laughs> I, forgive me. Where Where was her husband at that time? Did he not know? Was he out of town or was he ignoring it? Where was he? Kind of a little bit of all of it. So okay. he owns his own business, um, but he would go out of town a lot. And sometimes I think he went out of town to escape it too because he definitely knew what was going on um so yeah he would the time she would get super super bad is when he was gone because then she knew she could do whatever she wanted that was a situation with somebody in my family whenever they were alone or with the kids they would there was nobody to kind of keep tabs on them Uh, nobody to say hey you've already had three you're slurring your speech you don't need another one so this person would drink until something happened like they left the dog out all night on a cold night one night Um, uh, another time nobody could reach them and it turned out they were passed out on the bathroom floor with their pants down and uh, and and uh, and and so it is a factor definitely when somebody wants to get away and now that person has freedom to drink as much starting whenever whenever they want to and that's kind of what your mom did yep okay exactly how did you feel about this I mean were you were you disgusted angry concerned all of the above all of it yes all of it um so my mom has been to treatment three times the first time we did an intervention for her um because it was really scary uh she had you know, lots of times where she would fall or when I took her to the hospital, the first time she went to rehab, she was a 0.4 blood alcohol level. 0.4 is nearly fatal. Yes. They said they were surprised or they said they knew she would drink a lot because she was still standing up and talking. Because your body becomes so used to that amount of alcohol that, yeah, you're drunk, but you're still able to do things that, you know, the average person 
was that drunk or even half that drunk, they wouldn't be able to stand up or walk or talk. Exactly. What did mom say about this when you did the intervention? I'm really curious. I don't think I've talked to anybody on the podcast who's done an intervention. How did that go? And what led up to you saying, guys, we got to get together with mom and do something? Well, we had my sister. I had told her about it. And of course, my stepdad was well aware things were bad. Um, And I just said, we need to do something. Let's talk to her. Let's get her to treatment. Um, the first time she went was definitely, she went for us. She did not go because she felt she had a problem where she wanted to quit. Um, so she went for 30 days and within 24 hours of getting out, she was wasted. Within 24 hours. That's the, so she went because you guys basically pressured her and she's like, okay, what was her attitude? Like, (laughs) screw you. Okay, damn it. I'll do this. Or what was her attitude? No, she didn't get mad. She just, you know, listened to all of us and what we had to say, and she agreed that she would go. So it wasn't, you know, a lot of people do get angry and they say, well, I don't have a problem. She wasn't like that. She definitely, I think she knew that she had a problem. Um, But yeah, she just went and she did the program for the 30 days and then got out and was like, all right, I can drink again. Did she, and I, maybe you can't read her mind, obviously, but but did she think, oh, I'm better now. I can control my drinking because I've went through rehab. I know what I'm doing. I know how to be safe and, and, and sane about the whole thing. Or was she like, dang, I need a drink. It's time to drink. It's party time. It was never party. I'm going to guess it was never party time for her. They, no. they get to a point where it's not party time anymore. It's drinking time. It's drinking time. Yeah. yeah, that was just it. It was drinking time. She was she didn't want to quit. Um, so she just yeah, she got wasted and we had I had to cut her off for a few years and um cut her off out of your life? Yes. Yeah, that's one thing they tell you when you're doing an intervention is you have to have your, you know, if you choose to do this, then I'm not going to be in your life and you have to stay to it because if you don't then they know that you know, they can get away with it or whatever. Well, there's no consequences then. And and I think that's become something that with, with one of my family members, there was no consequences, right? There was lots of threats and discussions and, and anger and whatever, but there was no, there was never any consequences. So she didn't have any consequences really. Yep. And so then the second time she went to rehab, I think she went because I think she wanted to be ready. Um, But the thing was, I mean, it's really expensive. It's like $30,000. I was just for... going to ask you about the price and what the, and yeah. some of the prohibitive things that might people make people say, I'm going to quit on my own or I'm fine or I'm going to try to whatever because it's not free and it's not cheap. Exactly. And the problem with it too is insurance. You have to jump through all these hoops to get your insurance to pay for it. And then they'll only cover 30 days. They won't cover any more than that. And the problem with people like my mom drinking for 30 years she needs longer than 30 days that's a long that's a long habit to break in 30 days exactly so how did she do coming out of rehab samantha for the second time the second time she did better she stayed sober for a little bit um and by a little bit i mean maybe a couple months or so and then she went right back into drinking. So it wasn't until the third time she went, and that was the end of 2014, I believe, Okay. that she's been, well, I thought she had been sober since then, 
Um, but last September, I found out she is drinking again. How did you find out? Did you find an empty bottle or did you find her drunk or what happened? So she came over to my house for my daughter's birthday party and I had some wine in the fridge and she just took the wine and started pouring a glass. And I'm like, what's going on, mom? Are we drinking again? And she just said, oh, I can have a drink. Okay. And so that's when I knew. Now, I don't know how bad it is because we don't really talk like we used to. Um, I have not gotten any drunken phone calls, so I'm not sure what's going on. So you really, you really truly don't know. And I think that's an obvious, you know, fair thing to you. Is it, is the, one of the reasons, Samantha, that you don't talk to her that often is because does it all stem from the alcohol or is it just like, you know, mom and I are not that, we just don't talk every day. Um, It's been on and off. We were really close for a while, but recently just, just because I know she's drinking again mm-hmm. and lying to me, it's just hard. It's hard to be that close and try to have conversations when you know she's full of shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get that. If you know they're lying, and then again, I, I keep reflecting back to the people in my life who uh, they'll lie about whether they drank that day. Well, a lot of the time, you know, because you can smell it on them. Right. Um, uh, you can tell by the way they speak. Because you know the people close to you so well. You know your sons, your daughters, your sisters, brothers, cousins, whatever. You know them so well that you can tell if mom's had probably even one glass of wine or one little shot of vodka. Yep, you, you definitely know. can. You can tell, and, they, and I think that they fool themselves and they think, well, I had to drink it too. It's now six. They're not going to know. And you probably won't, but you can still smell it. Or they just sometimes think they can get away with it. Um, maybe you don't know, and, and I don't even know whether it's relevant because I don't try to be any kind of an expert or counselor on this one. I try to get stories out of people so people can say, oh my gosh, Samantha's story sounds like my story. Was there a trigger for mom? Because a lot of alcoholics blame someone or something. And I've heard it's not your fault. You can't, you didn't cause it. You can't stop it. And you, whatever. I mean, there's a phrase and I can't remember it, but, but did your mom have, did she say, I got a divorce and things were really rough or was it just, it just kind of slowly happened? There was a lot of triggers. So not only does alcoholism run in our family, um, she was abused as a child and then her marriage to my dad was really abusive. And then there was really one horrible thing that happened when she got really bad. So when I was about 27. Um, And so, yes, she blamed all of that for why she drank. And she, you know, when she was in her worst moments, it was just, she was unconsolable crying, just bringing up all this stuff, you know, every day, just feeling bad about herself. You know I'm going to dig a little bit here, and you can tell me to you don't want to answer, but what was the horrible thing that happened when you were 27 years old? Um, it does involve me, so I don't know if I... Okay, and totally I'm fair. Ready. If yeah. If you don't want to talk about it, that's totally fine. So all these years later, 30 years later, you don't know how much mom drinks. You know, she drinks, but you don't know that it's a problem, but you still care. You're just kind of like you're avoiding now. Yeah. 
I kind of feel like maybe if I don't know, I don't know. I get it. No, I get it. I, you know, Samantha, you're laughing like that's a ridiculous thing. Like if I don't know, then it's not, it's kind of not happening. Exactly. I've been there with this person in my life and several other people. You know, what's funny because I don't think my family has had a history of alcoholism. They've had spotty problems like mom and dad didn't drink that when dad would have a beer like once every three years and when, when he would have a beer he'd be like dad you're having a yeah. beer um mom would keep a bottle of jim beam under the bed and she never really drank it because my dad was not a drinker and he was like you know he was this is definitely back in the day when the man would say you are going to do what i would say oh, yeah. and and uh, and she and she she obeyed that because it was a different era. So, but but then here and there, without getting too specific, a spotty person like would like, why did this person have a drinking problem, or why did this person randomly, you know, there's sometimes there's no history. Um, but I kind of forget where I was going with that one. But um, <laughs> you said that, but there's a family history, and you, yeah. it's gone back, and then so let now let's talk about you. And then, because I think one of the fascinating things, maybe fascinating is not the right word, relevant things about your story is you've also struggled with drinking. How did your start? I mean, you were like me. You got to drink at a young age, and uh, let's face it, we loved it. For the most yep. part, besides throwing up once in a while right. or passing out in your, I got my, I got so drunk at my friend's house one time that I was throwing up, and my his parents were upstairs. They were worried that I was gonna like they were gonna hear me throwing up and know we were drinking. So we lived out in the country. They put me on a sleeping bag. And they dragged me out. No, they put me in a wheelbarrow. They put me in a wheelbarrow. That's what they did. <laughs> they dragged me out to a pasture, a horse pasture, and they threw me on the ground and gave me a sleeping bag. And and let me pass out. So that's how I was. That's you know some history of me. What was your history that led to you going? My gosh, I am probably a functional alcoholic. Well, when I was younger, and like you said, partying with mom, and you know people coming over and drinking, I drank at a young age. Probably started at like thirteen, stealing you know drinks from under the cabinet or wherever my mom kept it. Um, and back then I would drink a lot and like, then I wouldn't drink for a while cause you know, hangovers and all the, but it probably was when my daughter was two that I started just having daily drinks and, um, it's been about 10 years of doing that. And I'm, I'm super aware that it runs in my family and, I don't want to end up like my mom. That's I, I'm, I'm super aware of that, but I'm also alcohol is such a routine for me now. Like some of the people that you've talked to, it's like you come home, you make dinner, you have your drink, you sit there, you go to bed. And that's just been my routine. Are you in a relationship now? Yes, I am married. Does your partner say, Hey, Samantha, too many. Or does your partner also drink? Because every situation can be a little bit different. No, he hasn't said anything. And he's not a big drinker. I mean, he does drink sometimes. But he's aware that you do drink every night. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, he's never said anything. Um, I actually did talk to him the other night about being on the podcast and um, kind of told him. And he was like, well, yeah, 
And I told him that I was trying not to drink every day anymore. And he said, well, is there anything you want me to do? And I don't think there is anything I want him to do. I just want him to support me. And he's, he's willing to do that. I want to ask you a weird question. What if he, hypothetically, let's say your husband's like, Samantha, I love you. I'm tired of this. I'm going to do this for your own good. I'm going to pour out all the alcohol in the house. We're not going to buy any more. What would you think if, if he did that? Um, I don't think I'd be mad or anything. If he, th- I've thought about that. Like, what if, you know, my kids said I had a problem or anything. I think I would definitely agree that I, you know, people say high functioning because yes, I go to work every day and, um, it doesn't seem to affect my life in a negative way yet, but I say yet because there is always that thought in my mind, like I think you've said before, Dave, um, nobody wakes up and they're like, I'm going to be an alcoholic today. I'm going to drink a whole hmm. bunch of alcohol and be stupid. Right. So I just don't want that day to come. And that's what I am scared of. Um, there's so many questions. So how old are your kids now? You, you can just say like an age range, teenagers, um, toddlers, whatever. So I have a 20 year old and 18 year old. And then my daughter is 12. Okay. You sound very young. You sound 25. So I wasn't sure how old uh, you could, yeah, but I am, I am 40. Okay. I just got turned it. 40. Okay. Um, do your kids say anything, notice anything, bring up anything, roll their eyes, get a disgusted look, anything at all that you think, the kids are affected. So no. And I know with my one son, he did not because he went through his own struggles with stuff when he got into middle school and high school. Um, so no, he never said anything, but lately my daughter did say, you know, cause it's been like eight weeks where I've kind of cut back and she said, Oh, you're, you're not drinking that much pop anymore. And I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> she's, you know, she just thinks I'm drinking the pop. And I'm like, because I just don't want to. And she's like, oh, okay. So. Okay, interesting. So as far as you can tell, what you, you're not, what you're doing really is not affecting your kids to the point where they can't have friends over or they can't be around you. So what you're seeing is kind of a minimal effect on your kids, if any. Right. Okay. And you just don't want to get to a point where it, where it was like, where it's a, you know, like a, a big thing. So what, uh, your drink of choice, somebody have beer, some people have beer. We have a lot of my wine moms on the podcast. A lot of people who drink hard liquor, your mom drank what probably straight vodka. Her drink of choice. See, I think that alcoholics have a drink and then a cover up drink. So my mom mm. drank Miller light, but she was really chugging vodka in her room. Um, in her room. So she would keep a bottle maybe in the closet, drink Miller yeah. Lite, go in and then really drink the hard stuff when nobody was looking. Yes. And then I think you had somebody on too that said that they had gone and they drank in the middle of the night. That's what she did too. She kept a bottle in the sink so she could, or in the, oh below the gosh. sink so she could get up at, you know, two, three in the morning and drink. Uh, but my drink of choice is Captain Diets. So I'm kind of like Jess that you had on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Which starts out as a fun drink. I mean, you know, that's that's one that you like go to the bar and you have a Captain Diet and that's your drink of choice. Yep. And then it turns into it's your drink of choice because you need a freaking drink. Um, what is your trigger? 
do you even need a trigger? Because some people don't need a trigger. They, I think my trigger when I was drinking more was I'm at the end of the day, I got all my work done. Ah, I can sit on the couch and I can watch whatever and let's have a gin and tonic. So that's exactly what it was for me. Yes. Tell me about that. So it just was my daily routine. You know, you're done with work. You got all your stresses done. Um, You know, when I had the teenage boys, they did cause a you know, more stress. So it was my stress reliever. Okay. Uh, and even on days now where it's not a stress reliever, it's your routine. It's the end of the day. You got your work done. Uh, the laundry's done. The dishwasher has been emptied. You're going to watch Netflix for an hour before you go to bed. That's when the, the rum and Coke comes out. Yes. How many a, a night, a day average? So it's about four. About four. Are you talking about a, a bar pour or are you talking about a Samantha pour? I try to do a a regular drink, so one and a half ounces, so they say is one drink. That's what they say, yeah, because people will say, I've had some people admit on the podcast and in person, they're like, yeah, I have a glass of wine. I'm like, okay, that's, I mean, great, but was it a bar glass of wine where it's like, Jesus, it's not even halfway full, or is it like full pretty much so you're almost sloshing it on the way from the fridge over to the couch. So, And I'm like, well, that's not a glass of wine. That's about three glasses of wine. But then again, I'm not judging anybody, so I'm just trying to get people to recognize, hey, you know, when I had gin and tonics, it was a very generous pour. And I actually at one point measured how much I was drinking with water. I would make gin and tonics with water, pour the gin into a pitcher, and the amount of gin that was in that pitcher after one week you know, I did it all in one, like, you know, two minute little video. I was like, holy shit. But you said your mom, um, Samantha was also, she was to the point or maybe still, we don't know where she drank a bottle, like a 1.75 liter bottle of vodka a day. So I think, yes, I think at her highest, it was a 1.75 a day. Okay. What are your plans? What do you, uh, do you just hope that one day you'll go, I'm going to quit because I know you've told me in your email, you said, I don't drink every day. You drink like maybe three days out of the week instead of seven days out of the week, which is which is a win in in my book. Yeah. So that has been since I've been listening to the podcast and I, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Jessica, the therapist that said tomorrow is another day. And I don't know why that just hit me. And I was like, yeah, I don't have to just quit right now and never drink again. I can take it one day at a time. So that was about eight weeks ago. I started just cutting back and yeah, I'm down two, three days out of the week instead of seven. So to me, which, that's, that's which, a big deal. That is a big deal. It is a big deal. And congratulations on that. I'm glad the podcast had a, a little bit of effect on you and shout out to Jessica for bringing that up. And I'm going to bring up her email right now. Jessica was on the podcast probably two or three months ago, and she is a licensed drug and alcohol counselor. And I, uh, she offered, she put together a Gmail address just for people who listen to the podcast. And I know that she is there, and I hope she's still checking. I bet she still listens to the podcast. Jessica, shoot me an email if you're listening to the podcast. But her email address is, if you have any questions or anything, it's like, God, I don't know what to do. Jessica.Alvarez, spelled just the way you would expect, A-L-V-A-R-E-Z, L-A-D-C at gmail.com. I'll give it to you again, Jessica.Alvarez, L-A-D-C at gmail.com. So what she said about, what does that mean to you when it's like, hey, it's a new day? What is that? What does that mean to you? I don't know why it scared me. So, and I don't know why scared is the word, but I don't know why 
it made me so nervous to just say, I'm never going to drink again because it's been such a big part of my life. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It just kind of clicked like, well, you can go a day or two. And then if you want to have a drink, that's fine. And yeah, I, I just don't know what it was, but it just clicked and it's been working. And I've been listening to everybody else too. It's kind of nice to hear, you know, people like me and then some stories of some of the women sound just like my mom. So it's just been nice to have, you know, somebody to relate to. I really appreciate you being on. Um, uh, Samantha, I'm going to wrap up and uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. Is there any final words? Was there anything before I made the phone call and talked to you tonight that you're like, I got to make sure that I tell Dave this. Was there anything that we missed before we wrap up? No, I just want to thank you again for, you know, having these conversations and having people on that just want to talk about it. And there's no judgment, just like a lot of the people have said, and we can just talk about it. And that's what the podcast is all about. If you want to be on the podcast sometime, just like Samantha, we'd love to get you on to tell your story. Maybe you said, my gosh, my story is so much like hers, or my story is so much like hers, except I'm way younger, or I'm way older, or I'm a a male, whatever it is that makes you think you want to be on the podcast. I'd love to get you on next week. It's simple. Send an email to be on the podcast to um, Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. It's my work email. It's the easiest. Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Or if you've got any comments on the podcast or anything we talked about with Samantha, I'd love to hear from you. Send that email to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. And thanks for listening to Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. We'll see you next time. 